in-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And we're back inside Fourth Down in the Steel City. Omar coming. We'll get to that in just a minute. I can't believe they've let us continue on through a second segment, Josh, but here we are. (laughs) It's still early. It is true. It's true. Just wait till they watch the whole episode. Exactly. we, we've decided that there are very few soft spots on this roster, though, in looking at the final analysis of the 53-man roster, especially after the trades of Dotson and Green going out and getting Desmond King as well from Houston. And he didn't even need a shotgun for that one. <laughs> Omar just banged on the door and said, that, that was, don't make that was me the, huff and puff. That was the scene of him walk, like him getting Desmond King was the scene where he walks out in his pajamas, like because it's in the morning, and they're just like dropping stuff out the window. And he's not even trying to rob anybody. He's just going to get his Honey Nut Cheerios and just stumbles on the Desmond King. That's that's what Omar Khan did. That's what he did. Kids, kids, The Wire. Look it up. Sorry, gotta watch gonna, it. Gotta watch it. If you're gonna hang through this podcast through through more than one episode, there are two things you need to brush up on: Mitch Hedberg and The Wire. That's that's basics. Okay, he's not wrong. <laughs> we will work on the WWE Attitude Era as a supplementary <laughs> course throughout throughout the season. He's Josh Taylor. I'm Chris Mack. Greg Finley trying to keep us in line as we do talk about. Like I, I can't believe it, but like if I had to crown an MVP right now before there is an, a single snap taken, Josh, it is Omar Khan. I don't think any of us expected the quote unquote cap geek to be the guy who was going to walk in and start wheeling and dealing. We're like, oh, well, Andy Weidel's here. He's the football guy. He'll handle it. No, Omar's that dude. Remember way back a few months ago, like, you know, back to like when the offseason was ending or like, you know, when the draft ended last year Mm -hmm. and Kevin Colbert was on his way out and we're like, who's going to be the new guy? Is it going to be him? Is it going to be this guy? Is it going to be Lewis Riddick? We honestly didn't know. And, And there were people that were saying, well, there were, there's a downside to it being Omar Khan because, you know, he's just a cap guy. He doesn't have a lot of scouting experience. Meanwhile, Omar Khan did have scouting experience. He kind of just yeah. swept that under the rug. But, you know, there was a question as to who it would be and mm-hmm. why or why it should or should not be this person. And Omar Khan was the one left standing when it was all said and done. And I don't think anybody's questioning that now. Given I the mean, other options at the time, it feels like a steal at this point. He's been this over the last 12 months. Short of Kenny Pickett, and Kenny Pickett still got a lot of growth ahead of him. We hope his ceiling is a whole lot higher than many of us projected in him coming out of the draft. But over the last 12 months, the star of this franchise has been Omar Khan. I mean, what he's done, I mentioned before the, the little break there, they haven't had a draft in years where every single pick made the opening day 53 and, and Corey Trice, Corey Trice is the only one who's not making it because he's on IR. Right. Everybody else is on the 53 on opening day, all the way down to Spencer Anderson, the seventh round pick. And he's he, got a role. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's very clearly the, the, the backup center, right? He's so, the swing guy for all intents and purposes in the line. He's that swing lineman. It, it is. Uh, I, I can't believe that they've had, I think I saw it was Brad Spielberger of PFF. Uh, on Wednesday say this has been, he used the word flawless to describe Omar Khan's off season. I, I don't think he's wrong. I can't look back on anything he's done since he took over. And especially this off season in particular and go, Oh no, he shouldn't have done that at this point. Maybe the jury is still out on a lot of moves, 
But at the very least, the jury is still out. And on the ones where we've already kind of come to our conclusions, it feels like it's been the right move every time. Uh, there's two things I'll, I'll say to as far as my assessment of this. The first thing I had this discussion with probably somebody earlier today, and I was having this discussion. I said, look, the stuff that he's done just in the offseason alone, mm-hmm. that's what a lot of good GMs do in like maybe two or three off seasons. Yeah. They don't have the great draft. And then like some of the, the free agents that they sign or all the free agents that they sign. And then the trades that he's made, they do that maybe over the course of a couple of years. He did that in like six months, Chris, he did yeah. it in six months. It, it's bringing in Isaac Saomalu and Patrick Peterson and, and drafting Broderick Jones and, and drafting Nick Herbig and drafting Darnell Washington and Joey Porter Jr. You might get that over the course of two drafts or maybe in the first three rounds. He did that in like four rounds. This is crazy. And then he brings the free agents that he brings in. Then he, he gets value for Kendrick Green. He gets uh, draft value for, for Kevin Dotson. The stuff that he's been able to do, he, he, I mean, I don't say he tripped over Desmond King, but you know, like we mentioned, he, he walked through the hood in his pajamas and got get Desmond Green <laughs> falling out the window. Desmond King falling out the window. Like all this stuff is happening. And all like, and this is all happening in one offseason. The other thing I will say is this going into the offseason, I had been talking about this. I don't know if you and I had this discussion on the nightly sports call. I know I have with a couple other people. We've been talking about this. I said, going into the offseason, there was like a wish list of things I wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, it'd be cool to have a guy like Isaac Salomalo on this, this offensive line. They want a free agency. Boom, there he is. And I'm like, wait, what? They got him? What? So then you turn around, you're like, man, like, you know, trying to throw off this corner position, a veteran like Patrick Peterson wouldn't be bad. And they get Pat P. You're, okay, when, you're almost like, okay, what else can we get at this point? Right. And you going into the draft, and, and Greg, Greg Finley will tell you this, and Greg will tell you for the last two years, I have been calling Georgia the Roman Reigns of college football. <laughs> because they wreck everyone and leave. It's just what they do. And I've been t- I was telling Greg, I'm like, man, I need some Georgia guys on this team. I don't care who, I don't care how. Get me a Georgia guy. Last year it was George Pickens. I'm like, good, give me a Georgia guy, especially a freakish athletic receiver. I won't complain. Then going into this season, they get the starting tackle who's faced pretty much the best pass rushers coming into the league in the last two or three years. He's faced them in practice every day in Broderick Jones, and then he gets Darnell Washington the super freak athlete tight end we talked about in the previous segment. You get all that in one shot. I'm like, man, it'd be great to have a couple of these things. And they got all of them. I'm sitting there going, okay, well, he's checking off all the boxes for me. And that was before DeMonte Casey was brought back. That's before Keanu Neal was brought in. And that's not counting anything he did with the inside linebacker position. That right. Any of that. These were things that I didn't even have on my wish list. But he checked off all the things that I did have. And you know what? All those things you talk about are toppings on the ice cream. They're finishing right. off the Sunday because the two big scoops of chocolate and vanilla in the middle of this thing are somehow turning Chase Claypool into Joey Porter Jr. I mean, that is sort of the crown jewel of this whole thing. Is it makes you, no sense. You did what? You? I mean, how did you? How, what? Uh, Ryan Pace, I'm, I'm, I don't know how the man still has a job, but Omar did that. And so it all started with that sort of swirled around all year. We kept watching the Bears to see what the Bears were doing. What are the Bears doing? What are the Bears doing? It works out. They get the top pick in the second round, and it works out that Joey Porter slides to them somehow at 32. You know, after they get their offensive, the cor- cornerstone, keystone should be offensive line. You know what he told Ryan Pace? You know what Omar Khan told him? He said, boy, if you want to hit on that body, you best hop too. <laughs> Kids, watch the wire. The we'll wire. Yeah. Thank you. Later. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank uh, you later. That was a season oh, one reference, so you'll find that one early. Oh yeah, <laughs> but stick with it. Yeah, don't 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 go skipping around. Get, stick get, around. Trust me. It gets get, better. Get through season three, and it's all yeah. Whew. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Omar pulls all this off, and I guess it, it circles back around to how we started the show today, which is this is probably the strongest roster they've gone into a season with since you cited 16, probably early 17. Um, 18 for me was still a pretty strong team. It was even, still pretty good, even without even though, Shazier. Right, even without Shazier, they still had the killer bees. Um, and then from there is where things really started to fall off when you had the bell hold out and then AB blowing up. Anyway, point being, this is a strong roster. Um, and I'm surprised. I'll be honest. I'll bring in the gambling aspect of this for just a second, Josh. They're still sitting at eight and a half wins. They're still sitting at plus money. They're dogs to be to, to make the playoffs. Uh, I'll admit they can't have too much go wrong because we right. talked about the soft spots on the roster. You know, we know what this team is if TJ Watt gets hurt and it's not a playoff team. He, as good as Kenny Pickett may be, as good as all those other weapons may be. So there are soft spots. But I'll say this. If they stay mostly healthy and things go mostly according to plan, this is now a 10-win wildcard team, I think. I have three questions. Now, looking at this roster now, I have only three questions with this team. You already mentioned one. Can they stay healthy? That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is, can they win the division? Because if they can win 11, maybe 12 games – Depending on which of those games they win, if it turns into, you know, whether it's sweeping Cleveland and splitting with Baltimore and Cincinnati, that could win you the division. If you win eight other games that are relatively better as far as your your, your playoff resume, that could be useful. And the third thing is, if you do win the division, can you win at least one playoff game? Mm. Because I think them winning the division will dictate if they get a home playoff game, which it will, of course. But I think that would dictate if they win a playoff game. Because if they get a playoff game at home, I think they could win one, especially with the style of football they want to play because it's a style of football that can win you games in January, especially yeah. playing at home. And, and, so and, I like that thought. I like that prospect. And, and I even think, you know, I, I still I'm, – I'm trying to stay over my skis and not get too far out ahead of myself. I still think they're a wild card team. and But I, I do think you make a good point about the way they're built and the way they're built to win games – I think they could go on the road in a wild card game and, and they upset could. a division winner. They could, they could go to like, let's say for example, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm starting to come down on Buffalo just a little bit, but let's say Me Buffalo too. wins the East. Right. And could you not see this Steelers team? Look what they did to this preseason, but look what they did to Buffalo a couple weeks ago. There's a lot of starters involved on both sides of the ball there. Mm -hmm. You go up to, I could see them going up to Buffalo and upsetting the bills in a, in a, in a uh, wild card game. You know, would I, would it be the expectation? No, but it wouldn't necessarily shock me either. So because of the way they're built, yeah, you're right. If they get in, they should win a playoff game. And Ooh, break fun trivia. Oh, okay, give it to me. Fun trivia, because everybody talks about, well, the last time everyone won a playoff game was 2016. You know who they beat in that playoff game in 2016? Mm -hmm. Kansas City on the road. Alex Smith. At Arrowhead. Yep. Mike Tomlin beat Andy Reid on the road in a playoff game. And, and here, and, and Chris, here, I'm going to go back to the broken record I've been talking about for the past couple of years now. You know how they did it? They ran the ball, ran the ball. They played really good mm -hmm. defense and they won the turnover battle. Kicked a bunch of field goals. Yep. And, kicked and, a bunch it, of field and it worked. Goals. 
And it but they did. They did enough to win that game. Matter of fact, yep. they won two playoff games that year. Yep. They won one at home against Miami. Miami was never really in it after the first quarter. The second one, they went on the road and just out physical Kansas City. And in that third playoff game, the AFC Championship game, they lost Le'Veon Bell in the first quarter. And if they hadn't, maybe that one turns out differently because afterwards Belichick was like, oh, you have no Le'Veon Bell. OK, Antonio Brown, you're not in this game anymore. And took right. right out of it. And there was nothing left for them to do on offense. That but first, the last playoff game, the last two playoff games they won, Miami at home and Kansas City on the road, they ran the ball down the other team's throat, they beat up the other team physically on defense, and they won the turnover battle. They're still finding remnants of Matt Moore under Bud Dupree's <laughs> fingernails from oh, that man. first playoff game. That was a great argument that night on the on the showdown. I was a panelist on the showdown that night. We were arguing about whether or not Matt Moore should have kept playing because it was like... Like, how do you bring him back from that? Like, they scraped him up off the pavement. It was crazy. You'll never convince me that wasn't one of the ones the league didn't look at and go, "Mm, I think we got to fix this concussion thing. It was, we got to the argument that night. I'll never forget it. Me and Paul's eyes got into the argument. He was like, well, are you a doctor? I'm like, Paul, it ain't about doctors at this point. It's about lawyers because they don't want another lawsuit because it hits like that. (laughs) They don't want another billion dollar concussion lawsuit. And Matt Moore just reminded them why. I don't need to be a lawyer to tell you that man's dead. Right. (laughs) Like, <laughs> you don't even need the Chewbacca defense on South Park for that one. You don't even need that. What, we, what, is, this, what is this Ewok doing on the planet full of Ewok? What, what is this Wookiee doing on the planet full of Ewoks? What is this Wookiee doing? It doesn't make any sense. Therefore, you must quit. <laughs> when we come back, uh, a classic uh, Josh Taylor uh, segment that we will bring into the fold at least once a week uh, here on 4th Down in the Steel City. Is this a thing? That's next. Ooh. 